right, welcome guys to the MMOs.com podcast. Episode 144 here. Altai joined this week by one, the only. Omer. You, right. you, you always make me feel so special with these intros. The one and the only, huh? The one and only. Exactly. Anyone know that? Uh, I remember in, uh, in Counter Strike 1.6, uh, there were a lot of like custom sound packs and stuff on certain servers. And uh, one I always loved was when there's one. If you're the only one left on your team alive that round, it play. It just does a sound clip like the one and only. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, good times. So, I've heard that so many times. I'm not even sure where that's from, but probably a song lyric from somewhere. Yeah. Oh, I, we know it from Counter Strike, but I'm sure it's from yeah. somewhere else. All right. Of course. Any? Uh, any? Any housekeeping hmm. before we jump into the weekly raid? I think we jump right into the weekly raid this week. It's a, it's a spicy one. It covers something we kind of touched on quite a few times throughout the podcast. And I think it's uh, it's one where we can look at feedback from the audience as well. Because I'm sure a lot of people have opinion, strong opinions on this one way or another or suggestions of their own. So let's let's get right to it. And then I want to hear your opinion. And I want to hear what people in the, the chat think as well. Because this is a fundamental issue, I think, with MRPGs today. Uh, yeah. And it, it's a very broad question. Okay, it's, and I don't think I think it's a very complicated question, and I, I do want to take uh, hear your takes on it, guys. So, how can we make MMO gameplay more meaningful? Uh, mm-hmm. There are a couple facets to this. I'm I actually came up with different facets. So, I, in this uh, article, I mentioned um, something called the run, the running of the gnomes. Okay, so something that we've been doing in MMORPGs for years, right? Because most of the gameplay in MMORPGs, right? Unfortunately, is very monotonous. It's very rep- repetitive. Yep. Doesn't mean it can't be fun. You know. You know, we like a lot of grindy games like Maple Story, so it can be fun, but it's still monotonous, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and sometimes players get very creative uh, in the things they do uh, with this monotonous gameplay. So a common, uh, I guess, emergent experience, you know, a gameplay thing players always do in games is uh, they make low-level characters and they try to race from one end of the world, the starting zone, which is low level, to the high-level areas, right? You mm-hmm. want to go through the world with a level one character without dying. Uh, people have been doing this in WoW, uh, and they called it the running of the gnomes, and Last year, Blizzard actually uh, officially recognized it, and uh, it's it's used uh, in a way to support cancer research. So just like those walks in real life, where you give a sponsor for like every mile you walk, mm-hmm. you know they donate like one dollar on your behalf. Some organizations, probably Blizzard themselves now, uh, will give some money to cancer research for uh, for every level one gnome that gets you know from from the starting area to the you know to wherever the finish line is uh, without getting killed. Uh, so yeah. that's fun. Uh, there's a lot of other player activity like that. Uh, you can, you know, player create stuff. Sometimes the devel- developers do it. Uh, so, but what, what do you think? What, what, what can we do more stuff like that? Should, should developers take the lead here? Is it up to us, the players, to figure it out? What's the, what's the challenge? I think uh, again, when you talk about meaningful, we're talking about a few facets, both in terms of making the gameplay feel more fun, and also stuff like the running of the gnomes. It's a pretty, you know, it's a cool concept. It's a nifty con- concept, and obviously, the whole like walk for cancer, run for cancer, like this idea has been around in the real world for a long time. You know, like people have, people like feeling rewarded for this. So I think if you can incorporate that into the game, whether it's through an event like this or whether it's something else, maybe like uh, every time a particular world boss is down, uh, they'll donate like a dollar at the end of the year for cancer research or something. And like, it, it doesn't have to be a world boss. It can be every like 10,000 gnomes that are killed, every 10,000 you know goblins that are killed. I mean, it doesn't have to be a lot of money either. At the end of the year, like, maybe they'll, they'll donate a couple thousand bucks to charity. Or if it's a giant company like Blizzard, maybe like, maybe like $10,000 or something. And it would make people feel good about themselves. Maybe like at the end of the year, the game will tell you like by playing World of Warcraft, you donate like three dollars to cancer research, like of, of your subscription money. Oh, for this we can because see because you contributed, oh. you know, this much stuff to this endeavor. You know, 
it'll make just playing the game almost feel like you're doing something. Like, obviously, everybody knows when you're walking for cancer, like, your walking isn't actually doing anything. You know, like, somebody's donating on your behalf by making you walk. So it's like this indirect link, which makes you feel good about yourself. I think games can take the lead in that regards. Yeah, and I, I think more broadly, uh, when I say meaningful, I don't just mean charity. Yeah, yeah, same. Meaning, uh, meaningful as in, like, it's you as a player feel involved, and, like, it's exciting, it's new. Uh, and I do think it's up to the players to take the lead here. Another example I used is this uh, in EVE Online. These players uh, basically organized an event where one player left, uh, I guess, a dock in a capital ship, a very large ship. I'll play mm -hmm. the video here while I talk. So they left oh, the dock. It's Scott Manley here, and if you didn't know, oh, I gotta mute this shit. Uh, okay, so they left dock with a, with a with a capital ship, and there were thousands of players, three thousand players in the beginner ship trying to kill him. <laughs> so you, the video is pretty cool. You see like swarms of these little tiny uh, uh, frigates called rifters, and they're all trying to kill. Uh, why isn't this playing? Eve Online is oh, burning. Yeah, so they're all trying to kill this one guy. This video is lagging. My internet's been very odd recently. I think um, there's a lot of little things they can do to make the gameplay feel more meaningful, whether it's player-run events like that. But I think there's some fundamental design things that need to be built into the game. And the one example that comes to mind, I mean, at first, I do want to address, like, the whole... There is something monotonous and grindy about the, the, the almost the entire experience in MMORPGs, at least between leveling from, like, 1 to max level, right? And I think once you get to max level and you have all the content unlocked, with, like, if you're playing WoW, you can do pet battles, you can do mythic raiding... You can do like mount collecting. Like once you get to the end game, it, it, the game opens up a lot more. But I feel like that whole process has has to be more engaging. And like stuff like server wide achievements, the one thing that comes to mind for me is the encourage unlock in World of Warcraft, where you have to like mine like a bunch of resources in the game. You, like, the whole server had to work towards unlocking the the latest raid encourage. And the, like, there was there was a tracker on the server that you could see like. Everyone to, once everyone has contributed enough, the, the new area unlocks. So it just made it just made the more monotonous aspects of World of Warcraft feel like you were contributing to this greater purpose. And I thought that was really badass. Everyone was like looking at that counter, and like it made all the bullshit you were doing meaningful. I don't know why we haven't seen that. At least it doesn't come to mind. Like since the days of Encourage and World of Warcraft. And yeah, a few people in chat have been mentioning uh, basically move away from solo content, right? But but you're, what you just said is a good example. You can still do solo content and contribute to the server's progress yeah. with things like this whole encourage, you know, the gates unlocking. Uh, so that is a cool concept. So I, I guess, it, but look, look, the developers should do more, right, with stuff like that. Yeah. But I think ultimately players got to do more too. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen without some initiative by some players. Uh, and actually, a lot of older games, especially, you see a lot of this. I think we've touched on this maybe a year or more ago. But there's mm -hmm. a game Omar and I used to play, very old MMORPG called The Kingdom of the Winds, Nexus, The Kingdom of the Winds. It's actually by Nexon. Uh, it was like it was made in like 1997 or something. It's really old. Old game, old game. Yep. And the way it worked in this game is uh, you had a class system, like a you know a first class, a second class, and I believe the third classes were actually player run. Do you remember something about that? I don't. It's it's a blur. I think we were like 12 years old when we played this game. Yep. In fact, we, we played the free trial for like such a long time because we couldn't like afford the subscription. Our parents wouldn't pay for it. Yeah, but this this is a basically a game where uh, the few remaining players have to be really involved in running like the the guilds for the mm -hmm. classes. Uh, you guys can read more about this, but a lot of muds do this too, where they're com almost completely player run and player enforced, like the, the role playing inside the worlds. And mm -hmm. in fact, role playing is a huge uh, a way players can be more involved and make the game a little more uh, meaningful. Meaningful, exactly.
But a game has to lend itself to that, either through like really good in-game emotes or like cosmetics or like a world that kind of allows itself to be easily role-played within. You know, you could always force it onto the game, but if the game is not conducive to it, the role-playing is not going to be like well-fostered. A game has to kind of be kind of designed with that around to a degree. Sure, and and honestly, I I would hope I hope that uh, more games in the future just do, do away with levels. I think. As soon as you introduce levels, like level, character levels, you're going to have this early game trash versus end game real gameplay. So the only way to get rid of that, I think, is to just get rid of classes, uh, levels. But the early game doesn't have to be trash, though. Again, like just, just having persistent... With, with a level growth. system? Yeah, even with a level system. Like, for example, like okay. I think achievements was an interesting way to tackle this problem. And we've seen like Steam... It's, like Every game in the world has embraced achievements, right? But the way... I actually I thought achievements were cool when they first came out because it gave you something to work towards. But when when an achievement becomes something so stupid like launch the game, like it devalues every other achievement in the game. Because like imagine like Final oh. Fantasy fourteen, World of Warcraft had like had like fifty achievements each, and they were just like really hard to get or like not, they would be Hold impossible. Right? If they're hard to get, they're obviously just going to fall in the same pit of being end game. And then between level one to max, you can't do those hard achievements. So no, no, worthless. no. You can have no. You can have achievements at like level one even. Like how fast you go? Maybe like. Killing like seven enemies really quickly with it, like, at, at a low level or something. There are ways you can have it structured throughout the entire game. But my point is, you when you have stuff like launch the game as an achievement, or you died as an achievement, like it, it devalues every other achievement. And I don't know how you can even call it an achievement when it's something so brain dead. I mean, you can. I, it just it, it just hurts my soul when it when achievements are, are devalued to like literally garbage to anyone like, that's given to everyone. Like at that point, I stop looking at achievements when they become that obvious and stupid. I never really got uh, achievements as like a because separate... they weren't meaningful. If they were somewhat meaningful, it, it would be interesting. I think, and I mean, collecting achievements would be more of a thing. They had to come with a reward for me. It could be a small one. Like I think Star. I think I talked about this many times as well. Mm-hmm. Star Wars: The Old Republic had this. I'm sure other games do it too. Where mm-hmm. scattered around the world in difficult to reach places, whether behind like a powerful uh, optional boss or like a little mini boss or like uh, mm-hmm. a jump puzzle, there were these yeah. little cubes. And if you opened a cube, you get plus one of a stat permanently. Now each, each piece of gear gives like you know like fifty or a hundred of mm-hmm. a stat, right? So so plus one uh, wasn't that big. You know, there was like seven stats or eight stats or something. So if you collect them all, uh, you know you get like a nice five percent boost maybe, right? But yeah, data crunch. Gil- that's, that's a great feature. Guild Wars did a pretty good system with completing all the hearts, doing all the like, everything yeah, possible yeah, on the single map. Too. You got like you got rewards for doing so. And there were sightseeing logs for getting to certain places in the game. Final Fantasy fourteen does a few of those. But I think Guild Wars two did a lot better. And the Canaris actually made a great point that um. Gain to level 10 without dying could be a low-level achievement. And that's actually, like, that's a pretty interesting achievement because, you know, it, it, it's something at least, you know? It just, but that gets so drowned out with, like, you attack, you killed one enemy, like your first enemy, you killed an enemy. That's not an achievement. That's nothing. That's a big nothing burger. When you reward the nothing burgers, it makes the real achievements, even if they're small, like gain to level 10 without dying, have no meaning. I do think that Guild Wars is good in the uh, open, like, the... the... The gameplay world, the maps, right? Like the yes. zones, right? But I think it's overdone in some zones, especially the cities. I remember in Guild Wars 2, when I got to one of the cities, I opened my map, and there's literally like like 80 things to get to. Like you know, those vistas to visit, the, the, yeah. thing, you know, like the, the places to discover. It's just too much. It feels like an Ubisoft open world game then at that point. You know, like you open the mini map, yes. and there's like, there's, there's like so many icons for achievements to get or like things that, you know to unlock or to like click on that it just... I get anxiety. Like I don't want. I don't want to do it. And then I have, I end up not leaving the town to go back to my questing. I don't. I end up not leaving for like two hours because I'm literally just running, collecting everything. Uh, so I guess the best fix would be for that 
don't show them on the map by default. So with Star Wars The Old Republic, you can't see what the Datacrons are unless you look at a third-party site, right? Or maybe get an app. Yeah. Elder Scrolls does this too, but even Elder Scrolls, I feel like there's too many. There's like these little books you can find uh, for like your uh, guild, your um, your side guilds. Uh, and then so you unlock these little uh, lore books and, if, and you get like a little, you make progress in your, in your guild, NPC mm-hmm. guild. And it's, but there's too many of them. Like you open the map with the add-on installed and there's literally like a hundred of them. And so sometimes you got to zoom in to see the difference because they're all stacked on top of each other because there's so many. It just It's too much. It's overwhelming. Definitely. And somebody said, no, it doesn't matter because MMOs are dead anyway. And that's, again, this is something we've heard quite a few times over the last few years, but it's, it's, I, I think it's just fundamentally not true. And I want to address this point one more time really quickly. Uh, the thing is, in, in the olden days, like right around when WoW launched, you only had like six games. You know, you had, you had Ultima Line, you had EverQuest, you had... Uh, Dark Age of Camelot, and you had like maybe two other games, like Star Wars, Star Wars Galaxies and then World of Warcraft. Like every MMORPG player was playing these games. Today, it's radically different. The MMORPG market is much more fragmented amongst so many more games. If you, if you add all the players playing MMORPGs today, and like strictly MMORPGs, games like World of Warcraft, games like Final Fantasy XIV, games like MapleStory, like actual, like strictly MMORPGs, okay? And, I think there are more people playing MMORPGs today than there was during the, the heydays, like back in 2004, 2005, when WoW just like a year after WoW launched. It is, it's so much more diffused. Games like Elder Scrolls Online has a big player base. Games like uh, Star, uh, uh, Star Wars Online even has some people still playing it today, Final Fantasy XIV. If you just add all these up, I think the player base is still bigger. It just, again, there's so much. We, back then you had five games and all five games were hella packed. Now you have a like, hundred plus games and each game is like less packed. And people kind of I'd say equate that as games being dead, which I, I think say, is unfair characterization. I'd say it's more stagnant than dead because yeah. Here's the thing: if you're playing WoW already, there's no mm-hmm. good reason to switch. If you're playing Final no, you're Fantasy definitely. already, there's no good reason to switch to WoW because they're so similar, right? But I think mm-hmm. the next big if it, so the next game that comes out, like it won't be blessed. Blessed might be fun, but it's just more the same. It might be a little better in some places, a little worse in others, but it's the same blueprint we've been following for since 2004, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. If if you guys want to see the you know genre come back, I think what people are waiting for is that next game that everyone, whether you're playing Final Fantasy, WoW, Guild Wars, you all want to switch to that new game because it's so like, radically better. Like it's, it's, a, it's a whole like you know tier up. Uh, and now whether we get that or not, I don't know. I, I can't I can't say if that's going to happen or not. I think you know even with how much shit I say we talk about World of Warcraft in this podcast with how much casual games they've gotten, maybe it is worth mentioning that I think the casualification of MMORPGs has actually probably been a good thing for the industry. Yeah. Like, overall. I think, like, it, it's hard for us to see it from our perspective because I think, at least, I think most of the people in the podcast chat are, are, are well above average gamers. I think I think the people here that follow the industry are interested in, in, in playing multiple games and are staying on top of their, you know, MRPGs. I mean, I, I expect most of us are in the top, like, 10% of these hardcore, uh, these MRPGs. I mean, we kind of lose track that, like, 90% of people that play, like, WoW probably never complete a single like mythic raid or will ever even attempt a mythic raid in wow well, we don't know the clear we don't know the rates of clearance of people that participate in these raids all we know is back in you know like vanilla wow like less than one percent players even stepped foot in naxxramas let alone complete it so like 0.1 percent people actually completed that and i think if, if more pieces remain that hardcore it would the industry would probably be smaller so there is still a positive thing to say about the casualification the only thing that really upsets me about that is just how much the hardcore experience has kind of been tossed aside in some regards uh, actually, it's kind of unrelated, but to see this, how little the genre has changed in the past uh, like 15 years. I'm mm-hmm. actually planning on pre-ordering Battle for Azeroth, and I will play it for at least a month uh, just to see what's going on. 
I, I'm actually, gonna be... I kind of want to as well. Yeah, you should. We, you know, so let's let's see what we can. I probably know. will too, actually, because again, I I've played a lot of Final Fantasy XIV, and I, I my friend talks about Mythic rating in World of Warcraft, uh, in, in my Discord, in one of my Discord chats, and I talked about it, and it, it looks pretty. Fun. I've seen videos of it too, and it looks like something I would want to try as well. It just it'll take a little while to get there, but you know, I, I think I'll probably end up doing it as well, just so I can you know. It won't see take the that end long. Game rating. You, no, you no, start with a level one hundred ten character, uh, yeah. so you only have ten levels, all new content, so. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it, I, and I think it's important to um, to see where the king is at. I honestly, I have not played WoW from for, since uh, vanilla. Mm-hmm. And Omar, Omar tried it more recently than me, so yeah. I, I think I think this is a was it? For, I, I waited 14 years, like 12 years, 13 years since my last play. So I really want to see what's changed and if I can get any better. I, th- I, I think you'll be impressed. I mean, really? WoW is still the king. I think of uh, of MMORPGs. It's not that you know, Dungeon Fighter Line still has more players and makes more money, mainly because of China and Korea. But like from from the Western perspective of games, I think you know Westerners like World of Warcraft is still number one. It, it, look, as a Final Fantasy fourteen fan, I, I'll still tell you that WoW just has more stuff to do, right? It's got it's got so much more stuff to do. It's got like more pet battles, more mounts, more like more cosmetic. There's so much shit to do in in, in World of Warcraft. The only reason I'm playing WoW if Final Fantasy fourteen is because I've played WoW more recently. I've gotten yeah. out of my system more. You know, I, in fact. I would even venture that I'll even go ahead and tell you right now. I think World of Warcraft is a better game. It's a more complete game. There's more stuff to do. I think it's more. Also, I, I, this is totally unrelated, but to to actual gameplay. But I think the technology behind WoW is just better optimized. I've, I saw I you mean, play yeah. like Final Fantasy, and some of the some of the design, the, the te- technical decisions they have are just wacky. The the latency is a problem. There's the the, the way the the server like registers where you are in a boss fight. Like there'll be a, a circle that appears on the ground, and when the second that circle disappears, like two seconds later, like an explosion will go off, right? So like as long as you're outside that circle, when it disappears, you can run into the explosion, nothing will happen, and it just feels very weird and jarring because like sometimes for optimal DPS, you'll actually be running into fire, into giant explosions because animations don't actually mean anything. It's the way the circles on the ground work, right? Oh. And, and if they sync that better with the explosions, it would look okay. It's synced so bizarrely, hmm. and yeah, I think that some of the network technology behind Final Fantasy XIV is definitely a bit bizarre, and it just creates for these weird, jarring like visual effects, and has you running the explosions and whatnot. And I don't think you have that nearly as much in World of Warcraft. I think it, it just, it's more consistent. I'm also so happy, and uh, I'm going to give Blizzard a huge kudos for including a level boost with every expansion. Hmm. Right? They don't charge extra yeah. for that. Uh, no, yeah, that. Well, well, Final Fantasy does, which is unfortunate. Oh. And they charge you per expansion. You want to, you know, story skip. And then, story and then skip is, is something else. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And just, yeah, it, it's it's something else. I, I don't know why they do it. Yeah. Though I do I do want to emphasize again, I think Final Fantasy XIV has by far the best emotes I've seen in any online game. It wins the emote war, which I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I think in the in the context of an MRPG, real talk, I want to say half the time spent logging into any MMORPG is sitting on your ass in either Orgamar, in Stormwind, in Ironfall, in, in, in town, just 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 standing there waiting to organize with other players, just trying to sell shit, trying to relax, just just being social. Half the time is spent just standing around when you're playing and dancing, any slash MMORPG, dancing. And, and slash dancing, right? So the emote aspect of a game, I, I think it gets underplayed how important it actually is. I, I think it's actually a big part of it. I, I'm it's kinda, got more meaning. I, I'm giving that theory more credit uh just from last week i was playing um fortnite with a friend who who, yeah. who who's i don't consider like uh he's not a huge mmorpg gamer he's just like a yeah. he's a call of duty bro let's just say yeah call of duty bro okay so he's playing and he walks up to me in fortnite because we're in duos and he's like aaron watch this and he starts you know showing off his emotes and dances that he paid money for 
yeah. in, in Fortnite. And I was like, uh, cool, bro. You know, like, congrats. Like, what do you want from me? I, he's like, he's like, isn't that cool? I'm like, I guess. <laughs> so it, if he can be convinced to uh, enjoy and buy and like emotes in a shooter where there's much less persistence and, you know, yeah. community, I guess. If it can happen in Fortnite, and it's it's definitely a big thing in people's minds, definitely. And somebody said fifty percent. Somebody was a fifty percent rating, fifty percent dancing AFK in town. And the cosmetic game is is so important. We we've seen the level of like your friend that, that buys items in Fortnite. People in league buy skins and stuff too. Like this is such a a key part of these games, and people feel like they identify with their character in an RPG and the way you can dress up your character and stuff and just walk around and do some sticky motes. It's honestly like. I get I get true joy out of emoting in Final Fantasy XIV. Just like literal strangers. Like I, I will literally like during while people are talking strats before we begin a raid, I'll walk in front of some random person I've never talked to before. I'll just start spamming my slash wave at them, right? My cutest fuck Lollafell character. And they'll look down and there's just more random dances. It, it just looks cute and it's fun. You know, I, I actually enjoy it. And I, I like the way my character looks. It just, it just mega cute. And it just it, it honestly I I get 50% enjoyment from completing the raids and getting my gear and 50% from just like slash dancing in town AFK basically. So it really is there in an MRPG more so than anything else. Uh, one quick thing uh, before we move on. Uh, that rem- what you just said reminded me of uh, Star Wars Galaxies which did actually turn that aspect of the game into an actual feature. Uh, there was a class, subclass called Dancer and Entertainer and they actually would buff players and heal them and like cure their debuffs. By Waste dancing, you know, yeah, exactly. For, by dancing and waving and blowing kisses to them in, in the cantinas in town, so that's a great way of incorporating what you just said—the social, emo, mm-hmm. visual—you know—part of the game into the actual gameplay. And you, you don't see that much, uh, and, but they captured it so brilliantly. So you know, all those years ago, before WoW came out, yeah. uh, and you know, we haven't seen much progress. Like, I guess, I guess you have to rework the whole game. But I could see a world where if the boss kills you too many times, you get a debuff, and you need uh, some kind of soothing. Uh, interaction in a hot tub, like you, if you sit in a hot tub in your in your in your uh, house, it kind of yeah. cures that debuff. That'd be kind of fun. That'd be cool too. It would give a reason for players to like after a raid, like okay, guys, let's all spend five minutes in the hot tub as a, as a group to pass the time to get our debuff gone. You know, yeah. it'll force people to interact again outside of the raid. Yeah. Um, well, I did mention Lawbreakers. Uh, excuse me, I, I mentioned uh, Fortnite earlier, and that game is making about two million dollars a day on just iOS now. And it's, and it's all people buying cosmetic and, you know, emotes and dances. Uh, and speaking of uh, Battle Royale, Omar and I played one with a couple of friends in the pregame. Uh, before we get there, before we get there, okay. I do want to emphasize again just how, to, to the degree that people uh, spend farming cosmetics in games like Guild Wars, World of Warcraft, and Final Fantasy XIV. Like, almost anyone that plays these games, like, a lot of, like, your spare time when you're not, even people that don't raid, people actually, um, like, in Final Fantasy XIV, people go back to old content, like, really old content, like, years old, and they farm it. Just so you can get like that that one drop. There's a mount that drops at the end of every like uh, trial, and you, you know in Final Fantasy 14, and like one person will get it if it drops. If it drops, and they'll just run that like 20 times, and, and it's pretty easy because it's old content. But they'll they'll just they'll spend hours and hours of time just getting that farming that mount, just so they can get that the extra yeah. cosmetic for the character. The, the whole gotta collect them all aspect is that yeah. the fun part. Wow, well, does that people. too? Where you have to do this one raid, you can only do it once a week. And yep. you gotta do it for like a year or two to get like a certain amount. On average, it'll take you over a year of running because you can only do it once per week. Yeah, I know okay. Ashes, Ashes of Alara, the, the the Phoenix Mount, for example, you get it from the Outland Dungeon. I forget what it's called, but yeah, it, it had like one or two percent drop rate once per week. It was insane. All right, I want to talk about this now. So okay. in the pregame, we played a game called uh, Radical Heights. So this is by Cliff Blazinski's Bosky Studios. They gave up on Lawbreakers, but they mm-hmm. surprised the world. 
just yesterday they revealed an announcement trailer for a game called Radical Heights, and they said it's coming out literally a day later. So today was the launch of a game announced just yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I want to play this trailer uh, if it loads. I've been having some internet issues. I'm not sure why. There we go. This game was uh, was something else. Definitely something else. And then this 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 news announcement came like shortly after Lawbreakers was officially announced this last week that development for the game is basically stopped. And they said that they weren't going to go free to play and that they're not working on the game anymore. But it's still up as a buy to play game. And that they're focusing focusing their efforts elsewhere. And a few days later, now we know what they've been focusing on. Yeah, and just when this video came out, this trailer, the dislike to like ratio was telling. So look at this. It's mm-hmm. got 1K likes to 3.7 dislikes. So it's, it's you know, the blue bar here is pretty short. And, and <laughs> when I saw this trailer, first of all, if, I'll, I'll skip to the gameplay. But the trailer looks awful, right? Uh, the, the character models look terrible. Uh, it looks like a shitty Fortnite clone. Uh, very low effort Battle Royale game. Uh, the gameplay is actually worse. The gameplay is worse. It's it it's complete. It's incomplete. The, the buildings has no textures. It's just like a grid inside the buildings, the walls. Uh, it, it it really feels like a very amateur, like middle school project. Every everything is janky about it. The physics are awful. You can ride a bike, but you can ride that bike into the ceiling. It's it's, it's very odd. Uh, it, it makes no sense. I think they embarrassed themselves more by making this. They should have just made Lawbreakers free. Yeah, in fact, the the trailer makes the game look better than it actually. Is yeah, because does. once you get into the game and you you experience the bike physics and you're like riding your bike up walls and the way the jumping works, your character start your bike will just start floating in the sky. The buildings are literally not finished. So you go into a three story building, you land on the roof. First of all, the landing. So it, it's a battle royale game. Hundred players start falling from the sky. You land somewhere. There's no parachute. Your character just slaps on the ground and, and then does a roll. Like whatever. They, they didn't program like some kind of landing, some kind of parachute, whatever. I land on a building. I walk in. And all the walls look like grids. Like, like you'd see that from like a Matrix movie. There's just grids. And it, it's, just, it's, just, it's just gray grids. And it's just not finished. Half the houses in the game are designed the same way. There's, there's no furniture. There's no wallpaper. There's no carpets. There's no rugs. There's no like objects in the homes. They're literally just unfinished. And there's like no cosmetics in the game. There's It's just unbelievably janky. And it feels empty. And it feels soulless. It just... I, I don't know why they felt the need to rush this out. This is actually like super alpha... Before we even like gave the game a go ahead, they, they they apparently launched it already. It, it makes no kind of sense. Yeah, and people in chat have been saying yes, this is actually worse than uh, that Horizon Source game, Source game we played. Yeah, this is worse than that. And it, no, it actually is. It's yeah. actually worse. And I've played. I, I think it, I'm maybe sad to admit, but if I look at my playtime on Horizon Source, it's going to be at least a few hours. Maybe a bit more. I have six hours played on Horizon Source. And look, obviously Horizon, I, I kind of memed about the game being like the next Fortnite, the next PUBG, but like it was a functional game, okay? It was stupid, but it was functional. Things worked. This game just, is just nonsense. It's just bad. It really makes me wonder, what are they, like what were they expecting with this? Like it's free to play, guys. So I do encourage you to try it uh, if you have the time on Steam mm-hmm. just to see like, remember, this is a well-funded studio, Uh Mr. Cliff Bozinski is a does have a successful career, you know, the first mm-hmm. half of his career before Lawbreakers. Uh, so he's got the money, he's got talent, you know. He he he's been in the industry for a long time. He knows what he's doing. But to 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 see this product leave the gates, and remember, this isn't like a a closed beta, right? This is a it is early access, but it's like an open early access. And he's selling founders packs for money. You know, this isn't and this isn't like a you know run and gun Kickstarter scam. This like I said, this guy has a name in the industry. He's like an established guy. It just it just seems very bizarre that he would put this out there. Uh, 
I don't see what reaction he expected besides just, you know, just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the goal was here. I think they were better off. Uh, they were better off making lawbreakers free to play and seeing what they can do with that before they gave it up. I mean, they they actually went out of their way to basically say lawbreakers is is never going to go free to play. Basically, we're halting development. It's not going to go free to play. And actually, the reason for it is a, a bit bizarre. I'm curious what you think about it, Altai. And you know, it says, in fact, these lawbreakers failed to find enough an audience to generate the funds necessary to keep it sustained in the manner we had originally planned and anticipated. And while a pivot to free to play may seem like the easiest change to make, a change of this magnitude takes publishing, planning, and resources to do it. That just seems like a weird cap out because their publisher is Nexon. I mean, they had like they have some kind of you know expertise with free to play, and the game already has built-in loot boxes. Like, what, like there's already loot boxes in in Lawbreaker. So I, I don't see where what they, what they mean by saying it requires planning and publishing and resources to do it. I mean, what, they spent their remaining resources on making uh, uh, Radical Heights, which just seems like it just it screams them that they're chasing a fad, which is like so sad. The Battle Royale fad has been like going on for a while now. We've seen so many games throw themselves at it, including that, that garbage uh, Sergei Titov one that's free to play, Last Man Standing. And there's been so many throwaway Chinese games chasing the genre. Right? And then this, this respected, previously respected maybe, uh, game designer from America is, is jumping on this fad just years late, trying to like, hey, you know, I'm still relevant. I don't, it just, I don't know, it reeks of sadness. I don't mind fads or copying fads. Like, yeah. say, look, Lawbreakers, I didn't think was a fun game. But it yeah. was like it was a game. Like it was, it looked good. Like the graphics were good. Uh, you know, the, the the walls and like the building, the maps were like you know, sci-fi. It, it looked good. Some of the heroes are fun to play. I, very side uh, lawbreakers ran. Like the game, like it was a hero shooter. But I think only one character felt like fun to play. The character with the repelling and the knives and the melee. That was like a fun character. That was like whoa. This like you don't see this character in, in a traditional shooter. But everybody else felt this generic nonsense. Like, yeah, it was. It was really one fun character in that game. It was certainly generic. But yes. my point is, it it felt like a game. Like it, everything worked. It looked good. Like visually, like yeah. te- technically, it looked good. It wasn't very inspiring, but it technically looked good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's fine. It's fine to copy games and see what works. It's like it's like someone, if someone bakes you a cake and you don't like the flavors they use, but but it's baked properly, right? Versus mm-hmm. this game, Radical Heights. It's just it's just a blob of dough on your plate. Like it, it's not finished at all. Like it's this should be this is like not even early access phase. This is like pre-alpha, alpha, alpha phase. Like this is the most incomplete game. I've ever seen by any like marginal studio that puts it on Steam. Yeah, like a real company. Like, if it was dumb, if it was put by like, some random indie studio, that's different. But like you know, these guys have funding, somewhat of a big name behind it. So it's it's bizarre to see this, you know, as a playable game today. If I was Steam, comment, I, there are better games that work with three custom maps. Yeah, I, I would agree. Skuma Party. I I think Steam should pull this. It's just a joke. Like you said, the buildings are empty. Like, it's, it's it feels like a total joke. Like it doesn't feel like. And here's the thing: I thought they were going to at least reuse uh, a lot of the the environments and effects from lawbreakers to make this mm-hmm. right like why not like they have that stuff already so just reuse it uh for this setting right the walls and stuff for the buildings but they didn't do that they just did it. they did nothing i don't know it's they even bother opening the ingredients like it's a bag of flour like <laughs> and they even opened the bag it's got the whole bag with it and it's again if this is a chinese knockoff game i would say it's pretty horrible right yeah. like it, it would like have like no redeeming features. Again, Horizon Source, I thought, was just a superior product. And, oof, I, I honestly can't see myself playing, like, more than two rounds of this. And, like, yes, yeah, so you, you can make the whole bullshit early access argument, but people have first first impressions mean everything. And if the first impressions are completely unfinished nonsense, it's people aren't going to play it. But we should talk at least one aspect of the game, which I think is different. 
And uh, you know, we criticize MMOs a lot for this as well. So it kind of applies here where they, they are doing one design decision different from other Battle Royale games. And that's the fact that the game is a persistent currency. So once you land on the game and you start like running around looking for guns, you can also basically uh, you can basically punch registers, like cash registers in the game, and you can take money. You can find like stacks, wads of cash in the game. And that cash stays with you permanently. So you, that cash you get there, like the hundreds of dollars you end up in the game, you can find an ATM machine and deposit it in or just keep it with you. And you'll, you'll drop like, I think, 10%, 20% of your currency on you when you die. And every currency you have left over once the game ends, it gets added to your persistent wallet. And you can, you can spend that money in-game on like random... There's like guns scattered in like ATM machines you can buy like in vending machines. So if you see a gun for like $2,000 in-game, you can just buy like an AWP or something or a sniper. And that takes your persistent currency or the currency you have in-game. So any currency you don't spend, you can actually carry with you into the next game. So like you can just you can have eco rounds like in Counter Strike, and you just play like five rounds of just collecting money, just so you can blow it all to the next round and have a better chance of winning. So you can unlock cosmetics this way as well, actually. So you can unlock cosmetics permanently with this with this currency in game, or just blow all of it on like unlocking weapons. Now it's going to create this really weird balance because, like I said, eco rounds in a battle royale game are just are, are just seem fundamentally stupid. You know, imagine just jumping into a game, into a busy spot, and like not even looking for weapons, just punching cash registers and taking money, just so like, you have a better chance of winning. Not this game, but like four games from now. It's a really weird design decision. Like, but it's di- at least at least it's different. So at least they're trying something completely different in that regard. So I want to give them some respect for that because many games never even try. But I don't know how I feel about it just yet. Yeah, I don't know. I know how I feel. It's garbage. It's again the, the persistent current. Uh, no, the persistent uh, breaks the game. Like in, in the type of the type of game this is, persistent it just it just pay it's it's an advantage for certain players at the beginning of the game. Yeah, again, like like I said, because you can just land and instantly use your money to get a, like a really strong weapon in a vending machine, which is makes me question why they made it so you can buy weapons. Imagine like if the persistent currency only let you buy cosmetics outside the game, it wouldn't interfere with the gameplay as a design decision. That that's kind of like logical and it, and it kind of doesn't break the game. But it really creates the current system has these really bizarre dynamics. But I do think that some of these battle royale games need some more persistence in some regards. But in a way, it doesn't break the game. In a way, it doesn't affect the gameplay. Because I, I, both Fortnite and PUBG have a lot of staying power. I mean, I know people that play these games like 10 hours a day. So the games themselves don't get stale. But I do want to see some kind of persistent progression that doesn't, you know, break the gameplay. I think Fortnite is the best position for that with their co op mode, actually. Once they release that uh, and it's integrated. Save the world? Yeah, and when it's like, for example, maybe playing Battle Royale gets you some kind of points, unlocks, cosmetics, etc., that you can then carry over to the PvE mode. Uh, that that I think can add some more persistence to it. But just just rewarding players for having starting with more money than someone else, it just doesn't make sense to me. That's, that seems like a bad uh, a bad way to add persistence. And, and people are complaining about the the founders pack as well. You get like 10k cash for it and like bonus cash generation. Which again, the, if you get extra cash, you, you can just literally get weapons faster in the game. Because either you scavenge for them or you buy them with in-game cash. And it's going to create this weird pay-to-win dynamic for sure. It's just, I don't know, weird. But at least, I, I don't know. I do want to see some other, you know, design philosophy changes in Battle Royale. And, and in MMORPGs too. There's got to be something different where they really spice up the design I'm gonna, beyond just changing the cosmetics. Look, I'm going to give Battle Royale a huge pass here. I mean, look, MMORPGs have been around since WoW came out in 2004, right? Yep. And we're basically still playing WoW clones. Yeah. For, I mean, Battle Royale hit the mainstream with PUBG last year. So it's only been like one year and like five months, basically. One, one year and four months for mm-hmm. Battle Royale. So for the amount of time it's been given, I think we're going to see a lot of creativity come out. So uh, I, I don't think Battle, Battle Royale we're gonna, you know, is already doing pretty good. We already got Fortnite, which is the whole building stuff, which I know people don't like. 
but it's there. It's obviously popular. Uh, PUBG's got a different thing going, and PUBG's adding a new map now. It's going to be much smaller. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe to kind of answer Fortnite with the quicker matches. So, I think it's a very creative uh, field right now uh, for the genre. I just want to see more. But you are right, though. It does feel like we've been playing WoW for since two thousand four. But maybe they maybe WoW has perfected the genre. You know, maybe, no. is, is there nothing beyond this? Is there nothing beyond the WoW formula? We're heading. I think. I think the networking, especially, hasn't isn't there yet. But uh, I think it'll get there with special OS guys. I'm I'm hopeful. I don't know. Again, this goes back to the the, the previous argument you had that like we've had Battlefield 1942 in like what what year did that game come out? We had 64 player, non laggy online games with vehicles, ships, uh, infantry, all on a single giant map. You know, arguably those maps were big, like, as big as PUBG's map. You know, no, they're I, probably not. They're way smaller. But still, I love the fact. Pretty small though. So, I, I, what was that guy you like? Battle Nonsense, right? Who does yeah, the... I, I love his videos. So he big does... shout out to Battle Nonsense. Yeah, he does a lot of analysis for netcode and stuff. And basically, I, I learned through him that, and I suspected it before, the Unreal Engine wasn't made to handle more than sixty-four players in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Whereas when did, Battlefield nineteen forty-two, when did this come out? But this game, Omar and I were playing this. Uh, 64 players, you know, vehicles, tanks, airplanes, all in one map, you know. A big map, a giant yeah. map, some of these maps were. And, and, and some, you know, not only was it giant, but there were some choke points in valuable areas where you had, you know, 20 people fighting 20 people at a time. It wasn't as mm-hmm. if, like, it was so big that there was only, like, one-on-one encounters. No, there was a massive number of people in a, in a small area during certain, you know, parts of the, parts mm-hmm. of the round. And 2002. 2002, boys. Which is why I still find it bizarre that every single Battle Royale game that's been coming out has been 100-player max, you know? And even, um, like, the only MMORPG that's really pushed the boundary, too, with, like, having these large-scale encounters has lately has been Black Desert Online. And that, that created its own bottleneck, which, fortunately, has been, has been, is being addressed now. But, you know, it just make MMORPGs massive again, maybe. You know, make games massive. I, I think the whole magic of online, like, these, these online shooting games, these online... Large scale games, the large scale element of it, but you know we've been constrained to like hundred players or less forever now. Yeah, yeah, and and we're struggling for the past year with a hundred. Unreal Engine apparently is making strides, uh, mm-hmm. and you can see that in Fortnite, uh, it is improving. PUBG is also improving. It's not as laggy as it used to be. Yeah, it's gotten much better. You know, PUBG has definitely gotten a lot better with their with their netcode and, I don't, and whatnot. I don't want them to stop at a hundred. I think there's absolutely no reason why a battle royale should stop at a hundred, even given the current maps, like the PUBG map, the, the standard one with the with the island. Yeah. That should be 200, 300, 400 people. But obviously, you could split them into separate planes, so they come from different angles, right? Yeah. So the whole map should be filled with players at the beginning. Every area should be busy because the planes coming from different directions. That map should, can hold, easily hold 500 people, right? There's no, it's a huge the map. map. The, the it's the a map, huge map. The technology is what's restricting it right yeah, now. Yeah. But there is a, there is a Battle Royale game in the works with, I think, 400-plus players. So we'll, I think they presented at GDC. But we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes eventually. We shall. Yeah, see. We just got to get technology up there. Maybe, uh, maybe spatial OS will save us. Who knows? All right. I got. A, I got a bit of a controversy. If you want, I I love controversies. So I, as you guys know, long time listener, I'm the guy who always defends the trolls, the the harassers, the um, mm-hmm. the levers. Okay, all the the, the toxic behavior. The toxic. Right? I thought he's pro toxic. I'm right? pro toxicity. Yes. yes. He's the toxic party founder. And you know what? I like to think I'm fighting the good fight. Like you know. Um, the you know what ACLU they always uh, defend you know the pornographers and the free speech guys you know you got to defend people's ability to say things you don't like hearing okay? okay because they are the line they are the vanguard that protects all of our freedoms okay oh first it came for the rages and the exactly trolls, and, and you think you, you guys always thought I was me. being dramatic or not serious right 
Now, Microsoft has decided to change the language on their license agreements for, for their games and their software. Now, offensive language, can, starting in May, offensive language in a Microsoft game can make you get banned from the game, they can pull your license, and they can drain you of all your funds in that, in that service. So, for example, in Skype, if you, if, you, if, you say, if you say something racist to somebody in Skype, that Microsoft can then ban your account and drain your Skype credit. If you, uh, no say, refund? No refund. If you say something to see a thieves they don't like, not only can they cut you from the internet part, they can, pull your, they can just delete the game from your library. With no refund? No refund. Can they really get away with that? Why not? So it's one thing to stop you from a free game like League. If they ban you in League, make a new account. You know, uh, it can even ban you from the online portion. Like I remember in um, in high school, often I'd get banned. My CD keys would get banned in like games like Diablo or Starcraft for hacking. But you could mm-hmm. still play the campaign because back then things were installed locally. Now, when games are online, like a service, right? If you lose mm-hmm. access to the game, you can't even play the single player, right? I, I'm gonna let the point. They, they, they won't get away with that in the EU. There are a lot of pro like consumer rights laws in America. Okay, in the I, I don't know about the European Union guys. I'm talking about America here. I'm All gonna right. link the article. Um, now, look to be clear, the it's a pretty broad statement they put in there, and they're mainly targeting. Uh, we've also clarified the violation of code of conduct through Xbox services, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So here we go: forfeit of content licenses for Xbox Gold mm-hmm. membership time, an account micro account balances associated with the account. So you, that's, a, that's a kicker. You're not only going to lose access to the game. And when I say access, I don't mean the online part again. I mean they're going to literally delete it from your account. All your balances are there too. Mm-hmm. Yikes. That seems pretty extreme. But look. I, this uh, is not extreme. You know, this, I saw this coming five years ago when they first started this shit. This is the inevitable result of, of trying to stop toxic or her, trying to control behavior this way. For in-game well, behavior. I, you and me have both been on the same side when it comes to most toxicity. I, I think any game that has a built-in mute p- feature, or blacklist feature, they should never ban for being toxic. Okay, like just saying mean things to you, I don't think it should be a bannable or punishable offense in the game. There's a built-in mute feature, okay? Because anyone can just mute them, problem solved. And you know, if they start putting threats against you, that's different. Like actual, actionable threats against you. They, they should get banned for that. But I, I think language is it's a, it's a basically a free-for-all. And I don't think games should enforce that or companies should enforce that. The only thing I disagree with you on your toxicity bit is that throwing games, they should get banned from the game. That's it. Okay, so what? Here's a, it has to include both. because what should, okay, Clearly, if you threaten someone in real life like to kill them, right? Now, that is a yeah. crime outside the game, right? My yeah. point was everything in the game, right? It, it says in the game, which includes what you say using all the you know allowed features, so no hacking. If, you, if the game lets you type and you type something, that should be allowed. And, and then if the game allows you to run down middle and feed, like in League of Legends, if it allows you to do that, if you could click the mouse button and it does that, they shouldn't be able to ban you for that. Because if they do, then now they're controlling how you use, uh, they're controlling you in a way that's exactly like this. I don't see, I don't see a difference between the two. Okay, but your, your example is, is false equivalency and nonsense. Let's say you go to a, uh, you, you know, the, you go to a community center and you play uh, Risk over there. There's, there's a board game of Risk and there's five people playing Risk at a board game and in, there's open seat for you and you sit down. And say, Anyone's allowed to play, right? Yeah. And then while you're in this, in this you know, community center, uh, in the middle of the game, you just take your hand and you just destroy everyone's pieces. You flip the board. Okay, it's a good example. You're, no, yeah, you're, I, I, you're physically allowed yeah. to do this. No, 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 the, no, no, no. The place the, can kick no, you out. No, that's not the same. Because look, what you, the example you just said, it would be like hacking. Like imagine we're playing StarCraft, right? And I can like hacking. delete. No, listen, I can delete your buildings by running a third-party code, right? That's like flipping the risk board. But I imagine this: we're playing risk, and I always kill green. Whoever has the green pieces, 
when I sit down, regardless of my position in the game, regardless of what's good for me to try to win the game, I say, I'm, I hate green. I'm going to kill the green player every time. And I, and I do that. Like, I, I suicide my units to the green player, and he gets mad at me. Like, dude, what are you doing? This guy's got Asia. Don't attack me. I'm, I'm just because I'm green. That's in the game. It should be allowed. Okay, so if you go to a basketball court and you, and you fill in, and every time you have the ball, you shoot on your own net every time. She, you know, she, she, and everybody in the in the court tells you get the fuck out of here. No, should what, you be allowed to do that? No, no. You, no, if you can party with who you want to, you can party with your friends. You can choose not to party with someone. That's separate. You, you want a random game? You basically solo queued. You, you walk to the, the the basketball court. There's a game going on. They need one more person. And you, you you know you say I'm, I'll play with you guys. Don't worry. And you just you just keep passing the enemy team or you keep scoring against yourself. Okay, now here's the thing. Should those players not allow you to play? Or should some god come down and just throw you out the... No, you know? the reality is those players will beat the shit out of you. But well, whatever. you can't do that in a physical, in, in a video game setting. Well, maybe allow, allow allow team killing in League or something. That'd be fun. What? No, you can all kill him. You can't get... You can't kill him. Yeah, you kill him. No. You kill his account. You know, my, 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 my point is the solution should be in the game. Again, I, we talked about this ad nauseum, but I'm totally for a system of... Uh, in-game system that... that Deals with uh, punishments for you know, bad performance, poor performance. My only point was what, what, what it shouldn't if, be an outside if, if, party hold on, hold on. doing oh, yeah, it. Sure, sure, sure. What if, what if at the end of the game, nine players all choose to permanently ban your account? And, and it's, it's solely under their control. And, and let's say the game company has no say in it. If they all nine vote to ban you, should you get banned? Wait, it's within the game, right? Say that again. Say it again. Okay, so let's say at the end of a game where you throw. You throw the okay, game, throw okay? The, game. the nine other players in that game, including your team and the enemy team, all decide they want to punish you. Okay. And, and, and they all vote to ban you. No. But but, but you don't ban me like, it's, kick, it's like within the game. I, I'm, I'm totally for like a kick. Like imagine you're playing around the league. Uh, and you, you guys you're going against like own ten. It should be a team kick where if four people vote. He just he just gets put out. He disconnected from the game. That's fine. No, they, they all vote to ban you from the game. Why not? Like, what do you ban? Like like delete the game from my game computer? Yeah, that's stupid. No 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 no. no, no, no. Just, you can't log into your account anymore. No, it's that's, gone. that's that's Why? insane. The players have been forced to have laid down their no, their judgment. It, the judgment has to be in game though. Like they can kick you out of. It the, is in game. No, it's not. It's out of game. They 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 kick you from rank queues. You can't do that anymore. They kick you from playing ranked or something. No, again, they can they can make it so maybe you start with uh, like less gold, right? In your next game, that's okay. That's in game now, right? So yeah, next time yeah. you queue, can, you start with you less gold. Uh, Red made a good point. Altai, can you suggest an in-game system that allows me to prevent my teammate from intentionally feeding? Can, can you name any, any? Can you design a system that can that can stop that? Spoilers, you can't. But I can. Can you give us your best? Go. Okay. Well, like I said, imagine you have a bad score, right? Okay. Okay, let's say uh, and every, let's say your teammates vote you as a toxic, right? You, okay. And then you, and your team loses the game. You lose uh, triple them more. But, but, but you, they, so now, they so now you're going to gonna be so low. Well, sure, but you're, they're loses. not going to meet you again in the game because now you're triple hit. Doesn't and matter. And, and the reason, rationale most throwers give is because they, they think the game is over and they want to leave and, and go to the next game as quickly as possible, right? Hold on, hold on. You, you, you've already destroyed the way ELO systems work now. So let's say what? I'm playing with I'm, I'm, let's say I'm playing with some friends. I'm like, I'll, I'll take the hit, boys, because I'll let you guys keep going. I'll take the hit. So they all vote me as a toxic, and I lose. I, now I triple. lose triple the rating, right? Yeah. Triple. Guess what now? Guess what? Because I'm, because I'm still a better player, I'm, now you're artificially lowering my ELO to where I don't belong. Now I'm going to stop those players in the lower rating, and they're not going to have fun because you extra punished me for some stupid thing. And I'm going to stop those lower-rated games now because if you, if you hit me triple punishment and my actual rating is higher, I'm going to statistically win those games and, and let my friends, you know, okay, you, you know, you're destroying the matchmaking balance even more by doing what you're saying. First of all, I I put no weight in balance. That's number one. Balance games about fun, not balance. That's one. So, but again, if you want to go into the minutia, like the side effects of, of each there's, thing, there's no there's no solution to, to, I, to the I problem. think there's a solution. Anyway. The solution is, I'm going to tell you the solution. As long as you open, if you if you allow them to do what you're saying, what they're currently doing, we're going to get this. And I have, I have another, uh, Ren, I have another, uh, I, I have a good point for you. I'm going to link here. 
So, and as we all know, League is the king of uh, cuck gaming right now in America, where they <laughs> ban you for uh, being toxic if you say something racist or feed or whatever, right? You get banned. Sure. Now, that's only on the North American server and the European server. Uh, there's a big thread. You guys can look this up yourself. But in the Korean servers, they don't do that. In Korean servers, you can you can run down mid. You can feed. You can AFK. E even Masters Division, people AFK all the time. Every every round or you know every couple you know every couple rounds you're gonna hit people that AFK and feed on purpose in, on the Korean server and guess what the Korean server the players there are much better than American servers players so clearly this does not inhibit uh, in fact if anything if anything if we copy what they do in Korea here where we stop banning people for you know feeding or leaving or AFKing we'd get better players not worse no no you're making you're making a connection where one doesn't exist okay you can, arguably they are. They're, they're, what makes Korean players better at League of Legends isn't the fact that they're allowed to be toxic or there's less punishment for toxicity. I, I think so. I think it's part of Wait, it. Based on what? So, what, are the, what about the fact that the professional league players aren't allowed to have girlfriends and they're, they're required to play 14 hours a day? I'm not talking about professional. I'm talking about, the, I'm about the queue. I'm talking about solo queue. What the average solo queue player is better in Korea in each bracket than the equivalent bracket it's in America. Because because they play longer. The, the culture of Korean gaming, it, it, they, they just play more games. They play more hours per day on average. So is that a surprise that they're better? No. Yeah, it has yeah. nothing to do with toxicity. Look, if, if you're playing to win, right, then you should be for leaving and, and feeding and ending the game quickly. If you're just playing to like, you know, jack each, you know, whack each other off, then you want to you want to play out a game that's like, what, like 0 and 10. What are you, what are you talking about? Look, if a game is 0 and like 10 or 0 and 20, right? Sure. Why? It's a waste to keep playing it. But then, yeah, if you're if you can convince three other teammates of that same equation, you're fine. The game ends. You no, surrender. You can't surrender for what? Twenty minutes? Yeah, twenty minutes. So what do you waste twenty minutes? Yeah, twenty. Or, I think it's fifteen. At fifteen, if you have five out of five, you can surrender. At twenty, with uh, four out of five, you can surrender. Something like that. Whatever. Just just convince three of your other teammates or everyone at fifteen minutes to surrender, and, and problem is over. There's no solution. Clearly, the problem exists when all these people disagree with your hold assessment. Up, hold up. The game I'm, is over. I'm not. Oh, can I just say I'm changing the goalpost? What do you mean by that? And also, rent. No, I'll tell you. Cultures. Are, yeah, I agree. The culture. Uh, That's what makes them better at the game, not the fact that they're allowed to be toxic. No, listen, listen, I don't the, see that connection. I agree. The culture. The culture that Omar and I grew up in, right? Uh, was also. First of all, you got. First of all, to be a good player, to be good at anything, you got to be aggressive. Okay, you can't. If if someone talking bad to you. Like making fun of you or calling you like whatever. If that if that tilts you or like makes you know makes you sad, you're not going to be a good player. That's just end of the story, right? So the fact that uh, this kind of behavior isn't uh, is is punished here and not there, I think is a sign that they are more tough skinned. Can we at least agree okay, on that? I, I, hypothetically, I'm going to ask you then. If if let's say in America it was a free for all, like you said, right? Yeah. Let's say there was no banning for toxicity, and the Korean version it was the opposite. Now, anytime you would say something, meaning get banned, right? Would you be in advocating Korea. for in Korea? And they had better results. Would you be advocating for American servers to start following, adopting the Korean policy of banning anyone that says any bad words? No, because that goes against the narrative well, that you like in your own head. No, but no, this is this is this proof that I didn't you know. You made a connect. You you made a connection, and now I'm asking if that if if it was roles reversed, would you still support? You know, because no. you're saying it I wouldn't it support it for, for for if if your goal is to bank better players, like make more efficient players. No, I wouldn't support what? that. Okay, so 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 I have so two this defenses. Not, this this has nothing to do with. Make it with the Korean players being better because they're allowed to be toxic. There's, it has nothing to do with that. No, it's about just you just want people to no, be I learned toxic. This, and not I want people to be toxic because I believe in free speech. Okay, that's one. Okay. Okay. Now, it also, I just learned this week that it also happens to lead to better players. So it's like a double whammy. But it does that. that where, how are you drawing that connection? Correlation and causation. It, it, it doesn't mean they could be better despite that. And arguably, despite that, creating, yeah. Hypothetically, if they let's say they enforced uh, people that you know the toxic, let's say they got banned, and, and that led to players actually being better. 
you know, it's possible that you know they're they're doing better despite this. I'm not saying. Oh, I'm it's, not possible. it's possible. It's we possible. We don't know. It's but possible. Why, yeah. why you made? Why are you drawing a conclusion that we don't know? You know, we don't know exists. Maybe maybe they're better because uh, in Korea they eat more kimchi, and, and yeah. kimchi is why they're actually better. You know, th- okay. that's an equally valid statement. In America, they eat less kimchi. Can so we at least admit that? Good. Okay, can we at least admit that league is There's much no bigger in Korea? There. League is much bigger in Korea than here, right? Sure. So it, clearly, it's not a major inhibition to it. This this toxicity or leaving stuff. Sure. Okay. So 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 I don't see. I think okay, I'll, I'll try this. The reason the toxicity is a big deal in America is entirely political. It's people. Who, intent, who hate our freedoms, right, in America. They hate our freedoms. Yes, they hate our freedoms. Okay. And so, they're trying to, so they're trying to socially games, control us. They wake us. up and I fuck, they, they scream, I hate freedom. They're, they're, they're being manipulated work. by people who hate freedom, yes. Yes. They're being manipulated by people who hate yes. freedom. Yes, and, and their goal Are there is... Are commies in the shadows yes. in smoke-filled rooms? No, here's what I'm trying to say. The people at Riot who care about toxicity, right, who are trying to stop it, they're not motivated by making a good game. They're motivated by, like, just, social justice, feminism, racism. That's what's motivating their activities. <laughs> I think I think this is going off the deep end. I, I don't know. Like, do you have, what makes you think this is true? I'm curious. Is there has has anyone right like on their personal blog like talked about this or no, their because, Twitter account? They talked about this. The markets where it's a, the markets where league is doing the best. Nobody cares about people leaving stuff. It's just part of the game. It's fun. But, but where is the correlation between people being good at the game and, and this? Forget this them being good at the game. Been, I'm talking about the popularity of the game now. Because you, you popularity you, of the game. Well, okay, it's big in Korea, right? League. But, but, no, but you guys forget gaming is bigger in Korea, not league. But league is also league. video games are bigger in Korea than they are in America. The average person plays more video games in Korea. So, so and obviously, league is the biggest so, PC so, game in both okay, countries. Okay. The, the, the way you're framing this, I, I, this, I can never prove anything to you because everything you is well, no, no, how can no, I prove no, no, no. How you, can I prove this to you then? What, what, what would you need to hear? I'm already telling you, it's more popular. It makes more money in Korea per capita. Uh, they're better players than us, and but, because but nothing you're saying is relevant to League of Legends. Or, or, or this policy in particular. What you're telling me is that video games in Korea are bigger. League is the biggest video game in both countries. More people in Korea play League. Yeah, I agree with all that, but I don't see the correlation. So then why are we stopping to... Why, why are we banning people for feeding here? Or, or for being racist or whatever in chat? Why are we banning people for that? Also, for the record, the, the thread, there's, you know... We, I don't speak Korean. I, I don't get a good... I have not seen Korean players play... So I don't know if, if if everything this guy is saying is true. Look, okay. ultimately, uh, this whole argument on the league subreddit emerged from somebody being banned in Korea. Apparently, a self-admitted toxic player got banned in Korea. Okay, he he admits he was toxic, and his only defense is basically saying other people were more toxic than me, and they should have been banned too. But the okay. thing is, he streams, so he's advertising his toxicity, and he got banned for it. He got actually banned for account sharing. On I'm stream. not talking about this guy in particular. You, get, you guys Google it yourself uh, if you're into league at all, and you I, will I find. It, I found this thread, and this, this this guy's evidence is that he got banned for for doing something wrong, and he's his his defense is people are doing worse to me. They should be banned. Look, I don't think either of us can get a good grasp on this either way. Okay, now let me let me go. Someone in the chat says something like this: Do you are you trying to defend people's right to be an asshole or something? Right? Ultimately, yeah. yes, because that's a difference between our civilization and the East you know, Asian civilizations and Russian civilizations. Like, in America, you unfortunately, uh, having the right to say, you know, fuck Trump, fuck the president, also means I can walk up to a granny on the street and say, ha granny, you're old and nasty, go die. I can say that, okay, on the street, for the same reason I can say that to Trump, to, to fuck Trump, you know, go, go die Trump. In, in most countries, in most civilizations across history, and even today, you can't do those things because they don't, one, yes, it's bad that you can make fun of grannies on the street, right? But that is the price we pay for our political freedoms. Okay, and if you take one away, you will not immediately, but eventually lose the other. That's what. So do you? So do you think 
uh, in a private business or in a private residence, you, you, these rules of like society where you can you have free free speech doesn't apply to private businesses. If you're in a, if you're in a restaurant, you they can kick you out for saying any, for saying bad words. It, it, it's their business. They can say get the fuck out of here. That that falls into their freedom as well. Riot is their own business. They can enforce the rules the way they oh. want. This is not a legal argument. I agree. Okay, Legally, okay. they can. They can. Be, and just like Microsoft can, if you say, if you say, if I say to you Skype, you stupid Turk. So, I mean, Microsoft is in their right to drain my account and ban me on Skype. Yeah. If you have a restaurant, you have a restaurant, okay? And then some guy walks in and and and, and goes to like your black customers and stops dropping the N word on them. As the proprietor of the restaurant, are you gonna say congratulations, sir, on on exercising your free speech? Here's a free entree for you. No, you get the fuck out of okay, here. Okay, this sure. Is bad for business. Yeah, okay. Again, you know, you know what else? Whoa, whoa. You know what else is bad for oh, we, no, it's not. We just clear. It's it's bigger. It's bigger in Korea than America per capita. We clearly demonstrated it has no effect on business. In fact, if anything, it, can you can you can you can you relate this to toxicity or no? What? What? Because it's it's obviously not a stumbling block. Otherwise, it would be in Korea. That's my example. It, it could be. It could be actually. So why is the burden on me? You have to prove to me that your intervention is good for the business, then, because everywhere else it no, seems no, to be you, fine. You, you've made a claim with no evidence. No, no, uh, I, I have evidence. Can, can you can you prove to me what? that the Korean players are, are uh, the Korean players are yeah. clearly better because they eat more kimchi than American players? If the American players ate as much kimchi as the Koreans did, they'd be just as good. Now, it's bur- is it burden of proof on you to prove the statement, or is it on me to prove this correlation? No, who's the proof on you or me? No, you're the one trying you to made make. A, you made a ridiculous claim, and I want to see. It's that not ridiculous. How's it? Ridiculous claim. Oh, we have the Fox same game. Better players. No, no. Was your For, claim? Forget that claim. I'm not talking about that right now. Okay. okay. Clearly, uh, not banning toxic players is not a stumbling block in Korea for the success of the game. Now, you could uh, theoretically, you could say, well, it could be ten times more popular if they did do that, right? Wait, 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 what do you mean it's not stumbling block? Uh, are you saying that if they ban more players, if if they enforce toxicity rules, are you, are you telling me that it's guaranteed more less people to play the game? Like, what do you base it on? No. Arguably, they, they could have more players if they did that stuff. Uh, you could, yes, you could argue it. You, you don't know. You could. Yeah, I don't. I don't You're know. You're saying as definitively. I, you don't. No, I'm not. Saying it's not a stumbling no, block. It's it's not, could, yeah. it, it might be. We it, don't know. It might be. Yes, but we yes. as, as we can see currently, it's not a stumbling block because we would see the results if it was. I don't know. No, I'm not saying no. like if you allow feeding, all of a sudden a league will double in popularity in America. I'm not saying that. I'm saying but clearly there's no, there's no. it's not a stumbling block as we can see in the Korean versus American servers. I, I, I just don't, I don't see the correlation there. The, the causation there. I, you know, it does, I'm not drawing the, the parallel that you're, you're drawing in your mind. Really? Look, I, I, I agree. I, I, get, I still agree that in, in games like League, in every MMORPG, in every online game, saying mean things should never be banned because you can just mute people. Look, and every game gives you the option to do that. I, I, you know what's amazing to me? Mm-hmm. We've been through this. As When we were younger, there wasn't these kind of, you couldn't get banned, right? In, in StarCraft, we played custom games, right? In WarCraft, we played custom games where we continuously you know, trolled people, left games. And you, for some reason, like, here's the thing, here's what I don't get. Omar and I would play custom games like in StarCraft, right? Or WarCraft 3. Yep. Like a, a, a tower defense or something, right? Or like a, a hero defense, whatever it was. And sometimes we get bored 30 minutes in, 40 minutes in, and we decide to TK our teammates and, 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 and ruin the game for them. And the game would just end. And, yep. they, and that was 30, 40 minutes that they lost. Now, that's yep. no different than losing a 30, 40 minute ranked league game. That's no different. It's still 30, it, 40 it, minutes. It actually is. How is it different? Because right. some numbers on a screen go down, like the MMR? Because games like CSGO and stuff tell you every time you queue up, warning. You are you are queuing up for a ranked ninety minute game. You are not allowed to leave this game, otherwise you will be banned. Warning. Guess what? If I played if I played uh, Warcraft three or Starcraft and I, and I joined the custom game and, and the game gave me an official warning that if I do all this shit I'm gonna get banned. Guess what? I wouldn't have done it. 
Okay, it's death yeah, by a thousand. That's a different. The, the rules are different. The rules in chess and basketball are not the same. The rules follow the changes in culture. So I agree that those are the rules currently in League and Dota and, and, and Counter-Strike. My point is this road will lead us to that Microsoft story where we will be banned. You're, we're going to get banned from Twitch. We're, you know, you're gonna, if, you don't, if you don't conform to, the, to what they say, their behavior that they want, you will be deplatformed, right? From, from everything. It's going to get... I suggest you guys read about dystopian. this. It, it is dystopian. China social credit system. We, uh, everyone Google this. This is coming to America, and gaming is is obviously high tech. Like, I, I'd argue that Let's young people it. who game are at the edge of technology, right? So we're going to see it here first. But it's going to filter down. Uh, so basically in China, the way it works is if you are friends with someone who's like a, goes to a protest, right, in China, like he goes down with the, down with the Communist Party or whatever, assuming he doesn't get shot. But if you're friends with them on like a social network, your social credit will go down. So when you get a bank loan or you're trying to like apply to university, you're going to get rejected or your number's going to go down. So you, your numbers, so you, got, you have to defriend them or not associate with them. They're going to control our social behavior, our thoughts, our political opinions. <laughs> okay. And, and they're going to get us started on gaming. Young, 12 years old. There you go. The start of it. Boom. Again, I, 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 I don't think we're going that angle. And I think, uh, I think you're exaggerating a little bit. But again, I... I on the toxicity part, I'm with you on, on throwing games uh, once again. Uh, as, as previous podcasts, I, I have to simply disagree. But let's take it. Let, let, maybe we should, take, we should we should we should steer clear of this conversation and take it to a more lighthearted topic. Uh, this last week, MapleStory Two got another bit of uh, confirmation, uh, indirect confirmation. Basically, next time posted job posting on their official website for a localization coordinator, which uh, again makes me think that we're going to hear a MapleStory Two announcement on April 14th, which is during MapleStory Fest. So another bit of evidence that kind of leads me there. Honestly, at this point, I think if we don't get MapleStory 2 on April April 14th during MapleStory Fest, I don't think it's going to happen for a long time. But I, I think that's the date. I think we have a greater than 50% chance of having the announcement finally happening. With both this news and the news last week, and everything that's kind of led up to now, I think MapleStory 2 is, uh, is right around the corner. And from what I've seen about the game, I'm hoping it'll do well in America. And I mean, it could be a good mobile game too, actually, if they can port that on there. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hyped for MapleStory 2. Much more hype for that than I am for uh, for Radical Heights. Radical Heights. Yeah, this is. Um, I think this will be a game that does. And I know you said this before as well. It will do better in the West, I suspect, than it, do, it did in Asia. Definitely. Yeah, it's got the whole Netflix, just, uh, the Minecraft, Bubblecraft vibe to it. But but again, this again, this is um, with with how stale the MMORPG genre has been. Again, I do think Maple Story Two and, and like the approach they've taken with it is 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 a breath of fresh air. And I know that's a very generic term that people use for like every new game. But no, it, it just it, it just isn't like it doesn't follow the same formula of, of everything else. You know, there's so much more in this game than just going outside town and killing enemies. You know, that's like the formula we've seen. Whether it's Rift, whether it's Guild Wars 2, whether it's Arcades, whether it's World of Warcraft, Fantasy 14. There's so much. There's other stuff in this game that, that that encompasses the core gameplay than just just killing enemies outside town. So the the creative element, the persistent housing, the custom, the Animal Crossing like I'm system. There's there's a lot of little things. In Maple Story 2. I mean, the game looks really silly, obviously, and you know. And that's actually the cutest video possible in the background. I absolutely love that video. But I, 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 I like that they're doing something different. And I think I, would, I just, I just want to see more you know, real games try something different. My only, uh, you know, what I think of Story 2, I think of something that I thought would be fixed by now. So, mm-hmm. you know, years ago, we saw games like uh, Blade and Soul take like years to come to America, right? Like five years. Yeah. And it's so, unf- and I thought, honestly, I thought that over the time, that that gap would narrow, right, between the mm-hmm. Asian release and then you know, the global release. But games like Maple Story Two have shown that somehow we haven't really cracked that nut yet. 
we, we have to a degree because you look at the where Black Desert Online is in South Korea and where it is in America, it's not like too far apart. Whereas you have games like Maple Story 2, which essentially the Korean version and the Chinese version are, are really acting as like alpha tests for maybe like the American version. Because clearly what they did in South Korea and China, China actually just launched, it's doing pretty well. What they tried in South Korea just didn't really work. And they didn't give up on the game. And maybe they're launching in America when they have a more complete product. So it's a little bit different with, with, with MapleStory 2. With Blade of the Soul, honestly, I'm not sure what, what happened over there because it was a, a massive gap of like like three, four years, something crazy. But with Blade, with Black Desert Online, I think the gap is a bit smaller because the game does really, really well in America. But with other games, if you look at Closers, they just launched a new hero. I think it's the first new uh, character that was added to the American version of Closers. The, the Korean version, I think, has like, like at least like four more heroes in the game like, than the American version does. So it's, it's definitely... The gap is still there for a lot of games, but for the popular games, I think the gap will definitely get you know more and more narrow. Uh, I, okay, well we'll see. I I I wonder if um I wonder if it's worth doing a little bit of uh, actual reporting and mm. actually going back, let's say ten years, and finding out and charting the release date in the home market, whether it's Korea, Japan, or China, and seeing how long the global release is, and then seeing every year. If that gap is on average narrowing or not, it's tough because a lot of games, and I think when they launch in, in China or, or like Korea, like they don't know if they want to launch in America, right? And the only chance of launching in America maybe might be if the game does really well in its home market. Like, like I'm sure there's like we'll, we'll only count yeah. games that do eventually launch here. So the dead, the ones that never launch here will obviously not be in the data set. Yeah, yeah, but even so, like a game, it, it might take a while for that game to reach critical mass in its home market before they even consider licensing it outside. Because like, oftentimes, a different company licenses it, and they're not going to license it unless it's doing really well in its home market. So I think there's a lot more, you know, moving pieces here than we can just easily plot out and, and, and definitively say. But somebody asked, um, what was it? Uh, why are they now just hiring these people? I think we'll get the announcement for this, but I think the game is still not going to launch in America for probably another year. I think we're going to get an announcement on April 14th. That's just, again, my theory based on the whatever read what they're hiring what we've heard about from the ceo on previous earnings calls that's that, that that's the vibe i'm getting we're going to hear an announcement on the 14th which will be coming up real soon all right yeah all right uh i haven't played this since i played with you uh when mm-hmm. so when we did i'm gonna, I, I think we check this every week we just we mentioned it but i'm going to check when we uploaded this uh right, this video you did the first look oh june 16 not only a year ago i thought it was i thought it was uh I thought we did it, you know, before that. It, it's been it's been almost a year since we since we last played, and obviously playing the, the we played the Korean version, and it, it's it's definitely it's a little bit you know wonky to play because of the, the the English patch wasn't perfect, and the biggest problem with the English patch was that like some quests would literally just not work if the English if the English patch is enabled. So you have to actually once in a while you have to actually close the game, turn off the English patch, otherwise like the quest locations aren't even there. It interferes the, with the game files, so which makes it very difficult for. I mean, you can still play if you know where those problems lie. It'd be very frustrating if you don't know where the problems are. Uh, okay, a, a quick bit of housekeeping. So we still haven't got around to playing uh, Final Fantasy XI. Like yeah, we, said we still we want. I did pay for another month of that game, so yes. I, we will be doing a stream for it because I got to get my money's worth. Um, oh, you're up for a treat. I, I actually really want to talk to you. Like, I, 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 your your reactions on that game will be quite spicy with how uh, with how diff, how poor the game plays today. You know, in, in 2018. How unapproachable it is. Also, I also wanted to add uh, Ultima Online. Actually uh, released an f- official free-to-play uh, version, mm-hmm. or account tier, I should say. So mm-hmm. maybe uh, we can return to the, revisit that too, the official server uh, one day, mm-hmm. and try try that too. 
bring back throwback Thursday, but uh, for MMOs, you know. Man, both both those games are unapproachable. You know, I, yeah. I wouldn't recommend anyone go back. I mean, if you never played Ultima Online, don't rush to play it because you're not gonna like it. It, it. It's still my favorite MMORPG, though arguably the current version sucks. I mean, I've played private servers of like old content in that game a lot, and I, I still love it. But even that and the current version, I would say steer clear of Ultima Online mm-hmm. and Final Fantasy XI if you, if you never played either growing up because you're, there is nothing there for you. You know, you just those games will not, you know, attract new players. And in fact, you will hate them. I, I know you will hate them. Just, just don't play them. But I, having grown up playing them, you know, I'm going to go back and try the, the official servers. We should talk a little about Bless too because that's probably uh, one of the most hyped games in, in the meanwhile. They, they just released... Um, they just released another like developer journal on Steam, which I put up on Emos.com. I put all the I basically copied and pasted the changes between the original Korean version and the Steam changes. So maybe you're not I don't know how you're gonna feel about this all time, because we talked about this before. They are doing some kind of changes to the combat system. They're calling it rhythmic combat. It's gonna be more action oriented, a bit faster paced, which is weird because the original game was wasn't designed with that in mind. But I think if they implement it well, it can make the combat feel a little more a little more exciting. Rhythmic combat. That's a that's a good uh, marketing term, you know? Yeah, because they didn't maybe they didn't want to say action combat. Yeah, because yeah, action yeah. combat implies like Terra or Blade and Soul, you know, style combat, which I think is a whole rebuild of the game from the the ground up. But if you can make it, you know, a little faster pace while still keeping it kind of tap targeted, you can call it something different and have a nice marketing term for it. Honestly, with the, as long as far as the combat is concerned, they should have just stuck with their guns. I mean, you you know, uh, someone chats on something, the combat rework broke the classes, and they still need more work. Mm-hmm. That's inevitable. You know, if you build the game with the current, with certain gameplay mechanics in place, and then you know, f- three or four years later, say I'm going to change the combat, it's gonna it's gonna mess things up in ways that you don't even you can't predict. You know, as as you progress in the game. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. odd. Uh, I'm still going to try this one, and there's a lot of hype for this one, and I think it might be worth creating a a channel for this game actually on MO's Discord. Maybe we mm-hmm. can all on launch day, you know going together that's that's honestly the most fun in any experience so is the I, launch yeah fun. i know it's sure. gonna cost money guys i know but uh i think we'll try to we'll, we'll try to hook you guys up with some uh as many as we can play. get as many as we can get as know? many as we can get by the way if, you, if you're into if you're in that reminds me if you're into the twitch chat right now i have a few copies of battle right to give away uh copies of the game that include um all the heroes like the like 30 dollar bundle so if you play battle right uh hang out on this in the post game i'll give those away should be spicy um, I mean, I, I love the fact that this is the one thing that's funny about the their their page. Like, every company goes out of their way to say this that we're gonna have a like fair monetization, like user friendly monetization. There will be no pay to win. Like there isn't a single company that says, you know what, we thought it over and we want to be pay to win. Nobody says that, which is weird because these guys go out of the way saying we will have no pay to win on the Steam version of Blessed, and that's why we're by to play. But we've seen Black Desert say you know the same things, and years later just go a full 180 on their word, and you know. What they say today may not be what's going to happen later, but regardless, I'm going to go into it. You know, with the, I, I always go into it with, with, with you know the skeptical on what they'll do in the cash shop later, but that's not going to stop me from playing the game, and having fun with it. I got a funny insight for this, an insight, but comment. So, does anyone seriously take anything a developer or publisher says about their monetization like seriously before yeah, the game comes out? Like, Great I'm, question. Not to name anyone, but someone messaged me I think a couple days ago. Like, oh, did you read what the what they said about what he was said about their uh. Like they're not being paid to win. I'm like, no, I didn't read that because nothing they say now has any value. Because yeah. they're obviously they're gonna say that. Like they're not gonna say, well, yeah, you know, our game is really gonna screw you if you don't pay us. Like no one's gonna say that. So I don't see the value in even paying attention to um, their press releases 
regarding the monetization and, until the game is out, and then you can see for yourself what what it's like. So, I don't know. Though it is worth mentioning, they're only NeoWiz, as Ren pointed out, NeoWiz's only game really in the West right now is Black Squad, and they do actually have probably the best monetization of a Korean lobby shooter I've seen. Basically, you can get any weapon permanently pretty easily in that game, and paying doesn't really give you an advantage either. But then again, I think you know balancing the cash up around like MOBAs and FPS games are usually never as like uh, controversial as MMORPGs because there are like really strict ex- expectations in an FPS game or a MOBA where like only some Chinese companies try pushing the envelope in monetization in a MOBA. Like basically all MOBAs aren't, they don't want to have a system where you can pay to just get stronger. Like you can unlock heroes faster if you pay, but you know, paying for just an objectively stronger character isn't going to fly in most, uh, in basically any MOBA. And then the same thing applies to shooters to a degree. So it's easier to kind of make it not pay to win. I'm actually reading this article you put up and, um, I know you copied and pasted the official. Yeah. Uh, so the you, translations are a little fun. User-friendly monetization. Everyone will love our in-game shops. Yeah, I, I read that. I'm like, should I, should I keep that in there? I'm like, fuck it, I'll keep it in there because it just sounds silly. Guys, you guys, you hear that? You're gonna love it. <laughs> Everyone's gonna love. It's like a Trump. Monetization. It's like I, I can just envision Trump saying this. <laughs> Everyone's gonna love it, guys. You know, believe me. Deals. Not pay to win. Believe, believe me. <laughs> I like Kiyoshi's comment. I buy the I buy a game that flat out just says, yeah. Our game is paid to win as fuck. You know, I, I can respect that if some developer comes out and just says it like that. Just calls it. The audacity on that would be great. But yeah, I, I mean, this is... I'm going to play it too. And, you know, have we played the Russian version. I had fun with the chat with the difficulty early on. And we'll see how it goes. And the, supposedly, again, a lot of changes for this game. This is still one of the higher budget games as well. I think we covered it on our list of most expensive games developed. They spent like over $60 million on this game. Actually, that kind of reminds me. There's another game that they spent a shit ton of money on that's still not out yet. I think it was Kingdom Under Fire 2. That was like one of the oh. most expensive and more PGs ever developed. And like, I don't think it's gone anywhere. Anywhere. I haven't, I haven't heard of that about that for a long time. We talked yeah. about it since I did a first look video for it, like somewhat recently. I think on the like Southeast Asian version, but it's gone. It's gone a solid nowhere. Ten months ago, you put up a, a first look. Oh, the yeah, graphics look yeah. pretty good. This character, I like, I like the way this video starts. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean that game had um. It, it cost a lot of money to develop, apparently, but uh, they, they actually had a release schedule, I think, for the like all the all the versions with the Russian version coming out first, and then they're going to hit up like uh, Europe and America. But I forgot what the release schedule. I mean, it, it's it's been a while. It's been like it's actually been over a year since we started covering that game. Oof, yeah, we haven't heard anything about it in in, in a while. Oh man, good luck with this. This is not happening. Just looking at this uh uh this battle scene here. The battle scene actually looked way cooler than the rest of the game because like once you're done with this battle scene tutorial, you're back to like go kill ten wolves. You know, you're back to the the usual spiel. Yeah, you know what's funny? A lot of games do this now. They start you off really strong, or even if you're not strong, they put you in a scene like this, right? Where like it epic... makes you look badass as fuck. Yeah. I yeah, know. and like ten minutes later, you're literally killing like rabbits, like in this like peasant town, <laughs> like with two huts. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what that's. What's a lot going of on. games do this. Because this scene, like. It was weird because you know they have so many characters on the screen. Like that was one of their things that we could fit like a thousand characters in the screen, and there's no lag, right? But like they're NPCs, so it's not really the same thing. Because like the network, like well, when it's actual players on the screen, it's not going to run smoothly because the, the, the networking infrastructure is so different. The NPCs versus people. But this scene was badass. The game they they said they were aiming for like a Russian release. Then like a year later, they're going to be a, a PS4 release in America or something. But this was a year ago. Nothing's happened. So I'm kind of I guess losing hope on this one. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I imagine most people just completely like forgot this game existed, even if they heard of it. Because I actually completely forgot till I remember how much money it cost to make Bless. 
I think the company to watch is going to be not NeoWiz or anything, but but Pearl Abyss. You know, they have a beautiful engine in place, uh, and they're going to make new, more games. They're working on more games with that engine. Uh, yeah, speaking of you know Pearl Abyss, they're making they hired the guy, the co-creator of Counter Strike. All yeah, time. yeah, you hear yeah, about yeah. that? Yeah, I think you mentioned it last time, right? Did I? The, 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 he made tactical intervention. Now he's working on an unannounced project at uh at Blue Hole, not Blue Hole, with Pearl Abyss. Pearl Abyss. I, I think a lobby-based shooter from them uh, will be the Trump one. Like. We're seeing a lot of progress in this lobby based shooter world. Black Squad is killing it. Ironside is also really good. Yeah. That game is really good netcode, by the way. I recommend watching the Battle Nonsense video on Ironside's netcode. It's quite impressive. Yep. So it looks like a lot of genres are uh, in up and up this year. Uh, hopefully some of these Kickstarter games hit the market. I like Haru's comment. Game logic. So you kill this colossal titan, right? Okay, now go kill 10 wolves. That's actually literally what happens, Haru. That's like exactly what happens if you scroll like towards the end of the video. Because once you're done with this cool tutorial zone, it goes back to like these very tried and true... Oh, here it is. The peasant town yeah. I was talking about. Like, like, I'm literally killing waves of enemies in like the previous scenes. Like You can see just these scenes with like 100 enemies and these demons and shit. And it goes to, like literally killing some trash mobs and animals. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. back to the default yeah. gameplay. It's just, it's just really bizarre. Oh, you're collecting some spider eggs, I see. That's always Oh, fun. you know it. I love That's collecting great... spider eggs. My favorite thing in like, MRP, every MRPG does like these weird quests where like you talk to an NPC and he says, go pick up like 10 honeydew melons from like the, the fruits <laughs> directly next to me. And then you right click on them, you see the fucking meter fill up and you do that 10 times. Like that is not fun. That should not be a quest. No, if, if you're ever designing a quest like that, it means you are designing filler content that nobody actually likes. Like stop. Just anytime you're doing that, just stop. Nobody, nobody wants that. Back to no, conversation about making the, making the the combat more meaningful or, or the gameplay more meaningful. That that is the least meaningful combat uh, content in any game. Literally every quest in FF14, by the way. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that describes every quest and every like, every MMORPG. It's just filler content. Arguably, Guild Wars 2 did it best, but it, they did it best because they kind of hid the fact that it was a grind. It was still a grind, but it just felt. You know, like you were always progressing towards filling these hearts, getting the full completion on map. There was a, there was a real sense of progression, and it was it was just a better way to fool you into doing the same repetitive task over and over again. But it just feels like other games don't even bother trying to fool you. Like they just they make you realize you're doing something stupid, and they don't even try hiding it. You know, what I always love like okay, it, at least in the low level zones, it makes sense to have like a, a farm, and then the guy's like, well, you know, these like spiders are on my field. Can you clear them for me, right? Yeah. But then like when you're level fifty. And there's, like, there's flying dragons around in the level 50 zone. And there's also in the middle of the zone, for some reason, there's a farmer growing like potatoes. And he's like, help, can you help me like kill these uh, monsters? Yep. Like, dude, how are you alive here? There's like these giants walking around. He's like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense in the high level zones. I like Elon's Strife's comment. Hey, I love this filler quest. Gathering, gathering, uh, gathering spider eggs. I love those. Always look forward to those quests. There are lots of lore and immersion in them. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, with lore and immersion out of the way, guys, I think this podcast uh, time is up. All right. But we will be here in the post game, ranting and raving. So if you're watching us on Twitch, stay put. If you're on YouTube, uh, count your blessings. You probably won't hear more yelling about the more same. More bullshit. More yelling, bullshit. Yes. <laughs> All right. Take it easy, YouTube. Later, YouTube.